0: I can hear you can you hear me perfectly all right well how long does this last until it gives up and says hey good job recording your podcast now uploading the 30 seconds of bullshit is this the intro to this episode it might become the intro to this episode this <laughs> if this actually works i would actually keep all of this and let it roll right into the welcome this is the selby is godcast courtesy of the athletic Cleveland. I am TJ Zupi. He is Zach Meisel. This is take forty seven. <laughs> I just I just wish I mean people that report record podcasts, they know the struggle that podcasters go through to to put it on the air. It's not like we have this elaborate radio setup where I have a room in my basement where it's soundproofed walls and you connect through an ISDN line and it's super f- professional. You and I are just sitting here often in cold, dark places, sometimes in our cars, sometimes in a closet, just trying to find a quiet space where I can get enough audio signal to connect on my little iPhone to you halfway across the country. I'm pretty sure the issue today is that the extreme heat across the
1: country has melted all of the connection signals. That's my
0: technological expertise here. Uh, It's better than any theory I can come up with. I was going to somehow try to blame it on LeBron, because that seems to to work on a day like today. Uh, LeBron left for L.A. and took our radio signal with him. Uh, So I'll I'll just blame it on LeBron. Seems pretty fit.
1: Is thanks LeBron going to become the new thanks Obama? Or... Or have enough people legitimately thanked LeBron to where that wouldn't work? Yeah,
0: I mean, it depends on who you ask. If you look at the front page of your former employer, it says, you know, mission accomplished. Everything's great. Uh, Well, it did it though, because it said, feels that
1: way. It said gone again. And then the next page said promise kept. So I was, uh, maybe they were going for a little bit of a complex, confusing, tenure, I mean, it, it, his tenure is not easy to define here. I mean, they won a championship, but there are mixed emotions. So I don't know if they were going for that, but I, I think it just, I've seen things all across the board. I mean, there was someone who, I, I saw a video of someone lit a fire in their backyard to basically, If I don't think they burned a jersey, but they, it seemed like they
0: wanted to. Like, I thought we were <laughs> past what, It was like a funeral pyre, a Viking funeral. What? What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the the popular one where someone pretends like they're going to light the jersey on fire, and then they sit down on a piece of paper that says, thanks, LeBron. Thanks for the championship. You're right. It's really complex. This is why I think it's really hilarious and probably the best course of action is if you're going to get emotional about it, Maybe stay away from Twitter. That's probably not the best place. Unless you're just going to sit back and let it all flow, then, okay, I guess I'll just enjoy the entertainment element of it. But I, I really have a hard time, and we've, I've said this all year throughout the podcast, that I'm going to try my damnedest to not tell people how to feel about certain things. And this is, like, right at the top of the list. How anyone could tell anyone else how to how to interpret and feel about LeBron leaving, the beauty of it is you all get to experience it in some different ways and if anybody is actually like a human being they probably feel many different things about it and it's possible Mm -hmm. to feel thankful and yet still got to be pissed off about it
1: yeah i'm glad we're talking about this because we spend a lot of time on the nuts and bolts of of what's happening with the indians and i think yeah we'll get to tyler olson's rehab assignment coming up here pretty soon (laughs) good tease now everyone's gonna stick around uh i think This is going to be interesting in terms of what it does to interest in the Indians and the Browns. I think, I mean, Adam Schefter tweeted that Cleveland's hopes all rest with the Browns now. And it's like, okay, the Indians don't even exist. Let's just fast forward to training camp, I suppose. But I I do think that, I think there's a large segment of Cleveland that feels that way where you're going to go through this morning period here. That's going to last about a week or so, um, and then it's going to be, all right, two weeks till training camp, Baker Mayfield versus Tyrod Taylor, let's go. And I think it's up to the Indians to kind of try De- to delay that? the attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, well, because because they did it two years ago, obviously. You know, people were coming off the high of the Cavs title, and the Indians picked a really good time to have a 14-game winning streak. Um, last year, they were kind of just – I mean, I, th- I think the fact that the Browns were coming off a 1-15 in season and appeared to be terrible again helped the Indians. But they didn't really turn things on until late August. So I, I think it's it's important for them to – I've already seen it. Like, people are like, well, this team isn't up to the level of the Astros and the Yankees and the Red Sox. And maybe that's true. I mean, it's hard to argue that right now. but But they need to prove to people that they can – I don't want to say like carry the torch because the Browns are the Browns, but that they can be important to the city and make like force your way onto the radio waves, make the radio hosts talk about you. And this is their opportunity to do that. I guess it's it's, it's going to be interesting. There's all sorts of stuff like that. There's all sorts of fallout
0: that will happen now. Now that right. LeBron's gone. See, this is different because somebody, somebody made the joke in a text that, you know, oh, well, somebody's going to ask the players about LeBron leaving and kind of laughing about it. And it, it felt like the, when something happens in an Indians game, you make the old joke about how's this going to impact what the Browns do in the draft. It's, this is different because LeBron has these tentacles that expand everywhere. He transcends just being a really good basketball player. He meant a lot to the city. And certainly we talked about on this podcast, what, he meant to terry francona getting to watch that uh any chance that he could and and the number of times that he asks about lebron and i know you're going to sit down with terry later today and he will probably sit there the whole press conference talking about lebron and this decision to go to la i mean this is bigger than just you know how does how does a a walk-off single impact what the browns do in training this is this is not just a joke this is legitimate Where. You know, everybody kind of cared about this, and it's it's going to be something that is impactful beyond even anything we're thinking about today. I, I think it's truly interesting to think you know how does this impact uh, even attendance in the future and maybe it doesn't impact things right now, but we saw right, if you go back when the Indians had their heyday in the nineties and they were drawing these huge crowds, big reason for that, not the entire reason, but a big reason for that is because the Browns were gone for three years. So you had all of that money that wasn't getting spent on the Browns. I think some people decided, Hey, we're, this baseball team's really good. They seem like a fun time. I'm going to get down there to Cleveland and I'm going to watch it. And there's a new ballpark there too. I've got to go see that. I don't know if it's going to be to that level. I think that would be foolish to believe that it is, but as the interest in the Cavs wanes, if they go through this long rebuild, uh, do people take their money and start spending it elsewhere? Do they spend it more on the Browns? Do they spend it more on the Indians? Does it stay the same? Initially, I don't, I don't think it really impacts things a lot, but I think even that's something that you have to consider. You know, Maybe down the road, this if the Indians are still good, if they're still competing for championships and the Cavs have laid it out, hey, we're going to tank. We're going to go after top draft picks. And the season ticket holders start to wane a little bit. They're going to have that expendable cash. Where are they going to take it?
1: Yeah, I, I there. You know, every everything is different. I mean, in the '90s, the Indians hadn't been good in four decades, so I think there was a newness about it, and especially when you toss in the new ballpark, I think all that played a role too. And so I don't. I don't think it's just going to be like, well, the Cavs are basically irrelevant for the next. <clears throat> I mean, when you think about it, like the only time the Cavs have ever been a legitimate, bona fide championship contender, um, was when they had the greatest player of all time who just so happened to be born a half hour away and they got lucky and had the number one pick that year. Like because of that, they've been able to have uh, success in 11 of the last 15 years. So it's, it, it almost makes me. And I know if, if you get a good GM in there who operates things properly and uh, uh, acquires assets and does all the things that, uh, sashi brown tried to do for the browns basically tank and 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 just build for the future if if you do that yeah you can you can build a winner but like I, I don't think it's ever going to be what it was and and so i think there's an opportunity for the indians to just establish themselves as like something that people need to think about and i don't think that happens very often i think we we you know so many people obsess over the browns and and, and i get it. it it's just for for whatever reasons It's the town's baby, Um, but there is enough room in this city for for multiple teams, and the Cavs have proven that the last few years. So now maybe it's the Indians' turn. Maybe it's you know can you can you step up in that limelight? I mean, if if the Indians go and win the World Series this year, like that's they've just done something for the first time in seventy years. Like that's they're gonna people are gonna have to take them seriously. But I also think. There are a lot of people who have watched the first half or half paid attention to it, who think, you know what, well why bother getting invested in this team right now? It's it's not worth it. And, and before we even get to October, I'll have four Browns games to evaluate.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think they've earned it. They they haven't. I mean, you have star power and those stars for the most part have played like stars, but not, not at the right, either right at the, not, not at the right times. Sequencing wise, you know, either they're all doing it at the same time or, They're all not doing it at the same time, or just that supporting cast hasn't stepped up enough. And then they went to that stretch where the bullpen was horrific. They haven't earned that attention. And I think the difficult thing, I I can't argue against any of anybody that would want to sit back and just kind of let this play out. Now, I I think it's silly to uh, be here on the second of July, as you record this and declare that there's no way that they could compete with the Yankees, Red Sox or Astros in a series. I think that's completely foolish. And we've seen many times where in baseball, it don't matter who goes in as the better team or as who in to advantage. Weird shit happens in a five or seven game series. Um, but the problem with that thinking and knowing that the Indians have this division pretty much sewn up with a nine game lead as of right now, it, it kind of lends itself to not a lot of, of just real interesting baseball, I guess is the best way I can put it. I mean, what knowing that the Indians are going to be in October and we can pretty much set that in stone now. And us saying that what they do between now and October, other than just shoring up the roster, doesn't really matter. It's not really going to impact things once you get there. What makes any of this compelling for somebody to tune in? And, and that's why I, I don't have a good answer. I, I don't think that it necessarily is super compelling right now at the start of July with this roster still not what it probably will be when they get to October 1st.
1: Well, damn it, it's our job to make it compelling, right? <laughs> I mean, to
0: an extent, yes, but we're not here. We're not also supposed to wave pom poms when there's no there's no pom poms that are supposed to be waved. I mean, right now they are, they have been at times a boring baseball team.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know. I, I think it'll be compelling in October. It's just it. What, what stinks the most, and this is my biggest gripe about MLB, and there are many as we've discussed on this podcast throughout the months. I hate, hate, hate the unbalanced schedule. And I know they wanted to put emphasis on the division. And, you know, you don't want to get caught up in this wild card scenario. So you better win your division. And so we're going to make you play way more division games than facing anyone else. So the Yankees come here once a year. The Red Sox come here once a year. The Astros come here once a year. They played the Astros seven times in 10 days in May. That's it. The other 170 days of the year, no Astros
0: versus Indians. <laughs> you, be- you better hope that your pitching lined up exactly as you wanted. Oh, and you better be playing your best baseball, just as you happen to play that series.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's so stupid, and I think people are. I mean, I've I said it a couple podcasts ago. I'm so sick of watching the White Sox and the Twins and the Royals and the Tigers, and I'm in Kansas City right now, and like I'm gonna watch the Royals. This will actually be the first time our first trip to Kansas City this year, and like that stinks because now I know that it's going to be three trips in like a short period of time. And how I'm much so barbecue of... can one man eat? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, I I think we, it's hard to evaluate this team because you don't want to put too much stock into a good week against the white Sox and tigers. And you don't want to, you don't want to withhold credit for when they are playing well, because you know, if, if they're hitting Michael Fulmer, well, like they can probably hit, uh, Sunny Gray. Well, like you know what I mean? Like Well, everybody's it, saying Sunny
0: Gray well. Right yeah, that was now. a
1: bad example. But but I think it's it's so hard to evaluate. I mean, we all thought the Indians were perfectly positioned last year, and then they went ice cold for three days and that was it. And it's like that can happen to any team. So there's so much randomness which kind of takes away from the regular season, especially when you play in a division like this, and this all wraps up to tie back to the Cavs because it's kind of like how the Cavs have played the last few years. Did anyone have doubts? I mean, I, I know the Pacers took them to seven games in the first round, but, like, the Cavs were still the smart person's favorite to make it to the finals, even though they were the four seed. And, and like, it, it didn't really matter. And, and yeah. they had to work through things in the regular season just to get to the playoffs to then figure out what would work. And so it's it's the same thing. And I think it, it, it makes it tough to where – I don't know how they're going to captivate people like they have the last two years with these winning streaks. And I don't think a 27 game winning streak is in the cards. This year.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would disagree to too. And it, it also, uh, I don't know if diminishes the, is the right word, but it kind of does, you know, we talked about it on the recent homestand uh, where they just lay waste to the rest of the division and they had won seven in a row. And, You you think about it, seven in a row, no matter who you're really playing in in baseball, is impressive. Seven in a row is seven in a row. That's a week without losing. But yet, because we've seen them rip off these ridiculous streaks, anything they do that's impressive now just kind of pales in comparison to average Joe fans sitting at home going, ah, they won seven in a row, wake me up when it gets to 15. Right. And and, and so – It's it's not a bad thing that they've set the bar higher. I'm not saying it is. I just think it's a a weird reality. We kind of find ourselves in where, you know, some of the impressive things that they can do now don't necessarily matter. And it's and I think it's a a good thing uh, or on the good side of the spectrum, too, because, you know, we can look at the season that uh, Jose Ramirez is having Francisco Lindor is having uh, Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, Mike Clevenger, uh, the many the list goes on and on of all star candidates on this team. You know, you and I were texting about it yesterday. Jose Ramirez is on track to do something that's like a top five season in Indians history. He's he's nearing 50-50 territory with Albert Bell on the pace that he's on, like 43 doubles, 47 home runs. I mean, that's just friggin' ridiculous for this guy. Um, but you know, because no one I mean, people care, but they they want to know what this team's gonna do in October, and they're not fighting for a playoff spot now because the division is terrible and you know, we've seen them have success in the regular season before. I think it's, it's people. And this probably is, is speaking out of school and talking on some people's behalf, but it's probably just like, you know, you're, you you, you want to know how does this impact things in October? Right now it doesn't. So maybe it's more difficult for people to find those sorts of things compelling because the last two years, you know, you went in, you made it to the World Series, you made it within a game of winning it. The next year you go in with these huge expectations, there's this huge letdown. You come back a third year, You know people people think it's great and all what you're doing in the regular season, but they want to know what you're going to do in October, and you can't answer that right now.
1: No, I think there's a lot of interest in the trade deadline, though, too, I, and I think that's one way to maybe rope in some some casual fans who are kind of on the fence on whether to to dive head first into, like, why would you dive head first off of a fence? That doesn't make <laughs> sense. Mixed metaphors. You know what I mean. But to grab the attention of, of the casual fan. And as they're a week into training camp and, you know, Josh Gordon dives for a touchdown in the end zone and looks like,
0: uh reincarnation of Jesus Christ on the football field. I mean I mean, I mean hold on that's you've, one been, way to... you've been to training camp before you know all it takes is like a first down for that to happen. Right. Well the new bigger and better Browns. The orange
1: is oranger TJ uh and I think I think one way to grab attention is, is to make a, a move and that kind of leads me to my next thought which is A couple things. One, I'm interested, like, can these are two separate thoughts, but they kind of relate. We, we were When we were talking about Jose Ramirez, we were talking about how, you know, if there's anybody on the Indians who can, like, become the most beloved figure in the sports scene in this town. And I, I cast aside the Browns in this uh, conversation just because if a quarterback comes in and wins games... That's the end all BL like Baker Mayfield had a higher ceiling in terms of Cleveland fans love than LeBron James, because if Baker Mayfield is the real deal and leads the Browns to a Super Bowl, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the one that's the, he goes down as like the, the most heralded guy in Cleveland sports history. Um, So let's just focus on the Indians, especially because Baker Mayfield's probably not going to see the field a whole lot this year. So isn't Jose Ramirez the guy that fans can gravitate toward? And he, like, he has every quality you could possibly want in a, the face of a city. You know, he's got the personality. We, we've tried to kind of uh, highlight how funny he is, how ridiculous he is, how even though he doesn't speak much English, he is still able to make anybody laugh. Uh, We've highlighted, obviously, his his on-field exploits and and his backstory, how he's come from nothing and just completely blown away everyone's projections for him uh, and is now one of the top hitters in the game. And he's signed here for another five years, six years. So it it seems like, like if they're taking down that LeBron banner, why not put one up with Jose
0: Ramirez? Wow. I mean, you're talking about the same team that has Francisco Lindor on it by the way, who nationally, I am,
1: but nationally, I really think nationally, nationally, become, nationally, who has
0: more cachet, Francis Bill Lindor or Jose Ramirez? Jose Ramirez.
1: I, I think Lindor, but I think it's because we were conditioned to think that Lindor was that guy from the get-go because he was a first-round pick with that pedigree because he was, he had the smile and he had, uh, he, he was good from the beginning, but I, I really think fans love Ramirez. He's so goofy and he's, He's better.
0: I mean, is he not better than Lindor right now? I mean, he's played better than Lindor this year. There's no doubt about it. He's played like, the so he's put a picture like, of both yeah. of them. then. He's played like the second best player in baseball position player in baseball this year behind Mike Trout and has made it shockingly closer than I think a lot of people even realize. And people probably saw out the gate. Mookie Betts was incredible. Jose is past him and now he's, less than one war behind Mike Trout and being less than one war behind Mike Trout is like already hand him the trophy now just for not being Mike Trout and just still being that close. It's, it's completely ridiculous the season that he's had You can, anything you want to look at. It's, it's crazy how it's not just the numbers that he's putting up. It's that how he's found ways to get better. And, you know, he's increased his walk rate. He's now a more complete player. He's more complete hitter. Um, He's pulling the ball more, but he's pulling it with authority, but he hasn't lost his ability to not strike out. He's still playing a really good defensive third base and is right in there in the mix for a gold glove back over there. And that's not even his best defensive position, by the way. Um, As you said, he's not making hardly any money. He's under contract for a long time. Uh, He has that gigantic personality that it doesn't matter but he does not speak a ton of English. He speaks enough and through his nonverbals, communicates enough that people gravitate to him. I mean, it's, and it didn't take too long for that to happen for him either, which is kind of crazy that he could be rivaling Lindor or perhaps even passing Lindor. And maybe it's because, because he is a little bit more of that unknown, you know, it's, it's really easy to say, ah, Lindor is my favorite ball player. Uh, but maybe the the thinking man, the, the the Mark or whatever, wants to find somebody that everyone doesn't love, so they gravitate more towards Jose Ramirez uh, because he's the the guy that hasn't had the the discussion surrounded around him for the last few years. And it's interesting. I think there's a lot at play there. But I mean, if you're talking about guys that could become the new king of Cleveland, uh, the way that he's playing right now, it, it it's crazy to me to even say that, but he is right next to Lindor. And I think he is right now. I think those two are above anybody else on the Browns. I know miles Garrett tweeted, Hey man, leave your throne for me to LeBron. But I I think that throne might already be occupied by either one of those guys.
1: Yeah. And let me, let me clarify something. the reason I think I would go Jose over Lindor is because Ramirez is here longer. Like I, does anyone think the Indians are going to keep Lindor past uh whatever he he signed through 2021 like he's he has gone to a big market club for 300 million dollars in my mind like that that's signed sealed and delivered and i don't see it's different in baseball than basketball because in basketball you have a Mm -hmm. salary cap well the indians aren't gonna keep someone for 300 million dollars so i i think he's he's gone and that's why with ramirez you know you're gonna have that that longer tenure
0: yeah i think that's that's it's fair. I, I we might be biased just because of the season that he is having. I I would really I would be curious to throw it out, even if people just want to tweet at us, people listening to the podcast, if they have thoughts at, on on that topic, TJ Zoopy or Zach Meisel on Twitter. Um man, I I, I don't know. Between the two of them, I, I don't know who would have the better shot at taking that crown. Probably I would probably still lean more towards Lindor just because. He has a little bit more of the the household name uh, attached to him. But if they're doing this again next year, and Lindor is is still finding ways to be as incredible as he is this year, I mean, he will have, have successfully passed Lindor as more valuable just as far as statistically. You know, if you want to talk about the ticket sales, you want to talk about merchandise, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how... Frankie compared to Jose that's impacted, but I, I just, I just find it incredible that we're even having this conversation for a guy that two years ago was learning how to play left field just so he could get his bat into the lineup. And now he is, he's playing like the second best player in baseball position player. I mean, that's, that is a hell of a rise that zero people could have predicted zero.
1: And so the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the and the second part that kind of related to it was, you know, it, we're talking about LeBron's gone. There's this void in Cleveland sports, I, I guess. Um, there doesn't have to be. And could an acquisition, could, could some, some sort of trade that says it, the window will be open beyond 2018, could, could that galvanize the fan base some? I mean, I think there's this misconception, and I kind of wrote about it today on The Athletic, uh, in the trade deadline manifesto. Everything you need to know about the Indians' approach to the trade deadline is in there. Um, and the first thing I tried to get across was, look, the the Indians' front office is operating as if this window lasts for at least a few more years. I mean, it, it's... And if you look at the talent on the roster, even though they're going to lose a few guys, if you then look at the rest of the division, uh, it's pretty safe to assume that they're going to be... The favorites to win the AL central in 2019 and and maybe 2020 as well so could a trade that reinforces that belief could that do the same as you know kind of just kind of what we're talking about and, and how they need to to seize the attention of of the city and maybe it'll help with attendance maybe that'll help with revenue and the payroll and and all sorts of things like
0: you were referencing earlier no in a word no okay and, and never mind tell you why I think to make the, the sort of move to do what you're doing, what they need to do is go out and acquire one, maybe two elite relievers. Oh, oh, even elite relievers, because they're not, no, none of them are coming in with the aura of, of Andrew Miller being the grim reaper type that he came in with in 2016 that sort of galvanized the fan base. No one has that sort of cachet. Now there are players that do, one plays shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles, Manny Machado. We've been asked about a million times, and you and I are on the same page that not only do we think they're not going to go in that direction, we also don't think they should. But there's a lot of people out there that do believe that they should, and he's the worst defensive shortstop well, he in the should league. Not by the way. be playing shortstop, despite what he thinks, he should not be playing shortstop. But here's my point that is the sort of trade that that has that sort of galvanizing effect that you're looking for, but it doesn't do the same thing that you're talking about because he's, he's a free agent at the end of this year. He doesn't signify that the window is open beyond 2018. He just says, Hey, we're going for it this year. And if we don't win it, then we've depleted our farm system and we come away with a a, a window that's closing more rapidly than it was at the beginning of the season. So, to extend the window, I think they need to go get relievers. I don't think any of the relievers that are out there are going to be the, the type that, that get people that fired up to believe that the window is going to be open. Maybe this, this, the thinking man's fan might be able to see that, but probably average Joe fan, not going to be that fired up if it's a, a mere Garrett or Brad Hand or you know, any of the guys we've talked about over the past few weeks and, and months. So that's why my answer is no, and I think I think they can accomplish what you're talking about by going out and getting a reliever like that, but I don't think any of those relievers are going to have that sort of impact that Miller did, and the only position player that I think really truly would is Manny Machado, and he doesn't signify that the window is open beyond 2018. So does is that like a really convoluted, confusing way of putting that?
1: Yeah. I would say so. <laughs> uh, I, I do have one question. You know, since we last recorded Francisco Mejia is hitting like 700. <laughs> so would you still trade him straight up and for right Hand, Having
0: some, some problems against right-handed hitters. Oh, now I might, you know, just because things in the, at the trade deadline can change very rapidly. I think I'm going to take my hand away from the accept button. I might have to hit reject. Wow. I might have to consider uh, a better option if I'm going to deal Francisco Mejia. And can, can we, what can we would talk that be? about uh, one other thing? Why is he not up here? Why is he not up here?
1: <laughs> this has been the most inefficient roster usage I've seen. And this is a team that like, prides itself on having an inefficient roster every year in April and May. I mean, two years ago, the opening day outfield was Colin Cowgill, Marlon Bird, and I don't know, someone, Jason Michaels or something like that. Like, and this, it, like, the fact that, look, Josh Tomlin's the nicest guy on earth, and he is, he's so helpful when we have questions on things, and he's such a great teammate, great in the clubhouse. Is there any question he is, he
0: is sticking around as a
1: coach when this thing is over? But, like, what are you waiting for? He should be a coach right now. I mean, he, he, he really should not – his numbers are – oh, my God, I just pulled them up. Ow, my eyes. They're, they're brutal. Yeah. He, he They need to do something with him. He doesn't serve a spot other than – like, there's – any other pitcher can do what he's doing right now, and that's he's, – he's kind of wasting a roster spot. Uh, there's no – like, I don't understand why Yandi Diaz is wasting away at AAA. They've – played him at first base a little bit lately like that well, what's he, how's he going to do that at the major league level I mean you signed Yonder Alonso for multiple years you have Encarnacion for another year I mean what so I, I don't understand that and Mejia like what does he have to do at triple I don't get I, it maybe he would be better at one position if he didn't spend the year playing outfield and catcher and DA I mean like what is I don't get it I don't understand and it seems Sometimes it seems
0: like the Indians don't really know what to do with these guys either. I mean, I get being cautious about him playing the outfield. I, I do, but they also trusted Carlos Santana to play outfield for the first friggin' time in the friggin' world series <laughs> I mean, at Wrigley field with the Ivy in the, uh, and he did fine by the way. Uh, I I will say, one of our subscribers brought up, I think, a a pretty interesting point on our Q&A last Friday. His theory was that they're keeping him down in the minor leagues, especially now that he's raking, because bringing him up to the major leagues, and this shouldn't impact things, but you never quite know. If they were to bring him up to the major leagues and he struggled at all, or he showed flaws, then does his price... does his value, I should say, in the, on the trade market drop even the smallest bit? No. I, I would say no too, but I, I don't know. It, there's there's always that question whether or not, whether or not a, a slow few weeks or even a month where he's just not hitting like he should could drop his value a little bit. There's something just about when you take a prospect and like a new car, you drive it off the lot, it instantly loses some trade value. And perhaps, and this is just his theory, perhaps – that they're waiting until the deadline, seeing if they're going to need to include him in a trade. And if not, if we get to July halfway through or towards the end, and it's becoming evident that they're not going to include him in a trade, then it's time to bring him up. Now, if, if that's the, the route they're going, I can, I can sort of understand that. But you also have to have faith in a guy that you think is, if, if he's as good as you think he is, then you shouldn't need to hide him in the minor leagues. You shouldn't need to worry about his trade value. Can he help you win games right now? And I think the answer is yes. And if it's doing it uh, one time behind the plate, one time DHing, and two times in the outfield, you tell me he can't play four freaking games a week. So somehow being creative, finding ways to get in his bat in the lineup. I mean, you have to be able to do that on occasion. I mean, you have two catchers right now that are not hitting right-handed pitching consistently, um, and he's a switch hitter. You could bring that up. That you know the thing that Terry Francona covets more than anything else—a switch hitter. You can put him in the lineup. Uh, and take away some of the, all the left-handers that you have in there. I just feel like it's, he's, he's such an easy internal fix to help a part of your roster right now. That has been a problem. That's the secondary guys in your lineup, not your stars, but your other secondary helpers. You're not getting enough consistently from them. And you have one of the best bats in the minor league system, just sitting there, just call him up, use him.
1: Yeah. First of all, cars don't, improve that's the problem they you start driving them and they depreciate players get better i mean some of them (laughs) jose ramirez jose jose ramirez didn't just lose value when he had a. I mean maybe he did but that value obviously rebounded and now has skyrocketed uh and so that i don't know how that would happen with cars unless you took your car to exhibit and he (laughs) pimped it out Uh, that's that's the only way I
0: would compare cars <laughs> to Prospector. Why? Why are we taking I, this Toyota and adding this PlayStation in the back? What is what is the vibe? <laughs> I took
1: your Camry and I turned the trunk. It's whoopish tank, like. So I, I yeah, I, I think Diaz to me is a little easier because, and I guess it doesn't make as much sense now because Jason Kipnis has been hitting for the last few weeks, but. Like Yandy Diaz should have been playing some third base, and Jose should have been moved over to second. I never understood that. Even if um, even if
0: it's against and, and so lefties, the, you know, finding way. Yeah, I, and I get it, he doesn't hit for power, to, and he's still not showing that he's ever going to change that. Okay, but can he walk and get on base 37, 38 percent of the time? Probably. Can he hit the ball 95 miles per hour or harder like half the time? Probably I think there's some, this is a major league skill set there that should be getting used somehow
1: can he flex his muscles and scare the shit out of the opposing starting pitcher probably yeah there there's like it, at some point these guys have to come up you can't just keep them at triple A all year, and they do have the benefit of being able to experiment with things because they have this massive right. division lead and no other contenders, but you don't want to just experiment in September when rosters expand like you got to give these guys a chance. Let them impress you and force you to make a difficult decision so that you could have the best roster possible in October. Um, so, I, yeah, it's, it's strange. The thing with Mejia that I do think they're grappling with is, okay, if he replaced Roberto Perez as your backup catcher, well, number one, who's going to catch Trevor Bauer? Uh, maybe Jan Gomes can. They haven't really worked together much in the last few years. Uh, but then who does Mejia catch? Because that, there's going to be a learning curve there. And is he, how many at-bats is he going to get behind the plate? And if you play him in, in right field or left field or something, how many at-bats can he get there? So is he going to get enough consistent playing time to justify a call-up? I, I get that. But at some point, you have to just sacrifice some things for this kid because he's your top prospect. He's ranked in like the top 20 of all the, the prospect lists out there. And you need to see if, if he can help you because you also are going to have to make some decisions next year when you have to decide, okay, do we keep Jan Gomes? Do we trade him and make Mejia our catcher? Do we re-sign Brantley and Chisholm? Do we put Mejia in the corner outfield for good? I mean, you have to think ahead and you have to take advantage of this this time where you can do these trial and errors. And I don't know. Uh,
0: sometimes I think their t- their triple A team is like better constructed <laughs> than the Major League that, team. That would be something based on all the arms that they've run through there. I mean, do have Mitch Talbot on that staff? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. And maybe one will have to save for a different time as our time is now up. And I am frantically listening to your phone cut out and wondering if we're going to be able to finish this thing. So before we have to end this thing prematurely, I am going to ask if you have any parting words for our listeners this week. Uh, I don't. Thank you.
1: I'm afraid to say something because I don't wanna
0: this was our like our ninth <laughs> take. Are you gonna edit out the stuff at the no, beginning? No, it's all gonna be in there for good. You know how I like oh, I feel like our listeners appreciate that sort of thing. You know, they they wanna know when things have gone awry. I didn't get a random right. of the week.
1: Uh yeah, do you want real one quick. real quick? Okay. I've go, got one go. for you. Uh, We did, Holbert Cabrera was last week at the uh, recommendation of one of our loyal readers. This week, we have a clue. Your first clue. David DeLucci. It, oh, wait, where'd it go? All right, your first clue. The Indians acquired him in the year 1996. Kent Merker. Your second clue. He totaled 86 games with the Tribe. Hit 302. I can't hear your
0: clues. Your phone is cutting out. Five seconds, TJ. Can you get it? <laughs> All I have is that he was traded to the Indians in 96.
1: Uh, he played 86 games. He batted 302.
0: 302 in how many games? 86. Oh, I don't get my clues. All right. Tell me what it is. Who is it? Kevin, Kevin Seitzer. I could have got that if the clues, if I could have actually heard your phone, I would have gotten that. Damn it. Well, it's fitting because he played for the Royals for a long time. So, and he was like one of the first ones I remember with the face guard. The one that that's right. That was going to be your last clue. Now, everybody uses that thing, including Reese Hoskins, who uses two of them. It looks like a Weird football mask. I don't know. You can subscribe to the podcast. Why don't they make the whole plane out of ear flaps? (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and however you listen to your podcast. Be sure to search the Selby is Godcast or just find us on Twitter at TJZuppi at Zach Meisel, and be sure to subscribe to The Athletic. We've got tremendous things coming up this week. Zach just did his trade deadline manifesto. I'm going to take a look at the home road splits that everyone's made a lot about this week and dive into those numbers, see what we can learn there. And we got the starting nine. That's Zach's favorite, and a hell of a lot more coming up this week, so be sure to subscribe to The Athletic, The Athletic Cleveland, and of course, all of our baseball coverage is second to none. Have a great week, everybody. We're out. See ya!